work of his hands, the sun, moon, stars, which he ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And that's something that God in heaven thinks of us. And his thoughts, uh, the Bible says, are more of us are more than the sands of the sea and the stars of the heavens. So God thinks of us. Amen. God forgot about me, not in a million years, not in eternity. Amen. John chapter 3. John chapter 3 this morning. If you would, take your Bibles and turn over there with me. John and chapter number 3. I want to read a familiar text to you. Many of you are familiar with the story of Nicodemus who came to the Lord Jesus by night. And I want to, I want to uh, introduce a very simple message, but a very important message. Here I think at the end of a year and the beginning of a new year. In John in chapter number 3, I'm going to ask you out of respect for the word of God, if you would please stand with me. And I want to read with you uh, these first verses, the most familiar portion uh, of this text uh, is a little later in the chapter. But I want to read the first portion of the chapter in John chapter 3 and verses 1 through 8. Let me begin with verse 1 and then you join me on verse number 2. I'll read verse 3 and so forth. And we'll finish together on verse number 8. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Jesus said in verse 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. I want to speak to you on the subject this morning. The new birth is where it starts. The new birth is where it starts. Father, through the help of thy Holy Spirit, I ask now that you challenge and encourage the hearts of believers, save the lost that may be among us today, and encourage and strengthen the heart of the believers. And I pray, Lord, that this coming year, 2024, would be a tremendous year of personal spiritual growth for each of us as believers. Yes, Lord, we want to see your church here strengthened and grow. Yes, Lord, but we pray that that will be because there's a group of people who are individually growing. And uh, Lord, uh, yes, numerically, yes, we'd like to see more folks saved. But Lord, much more than that, individual spiritual growth, Lord, I pray. That this will be a year of growth for us as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. The new birth is where it starts. Now, 
if you have been around here uh, at all, you know that uh, I believe that you and I have, as Christians, a personal responsibility to share the gospel of Christ with others. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And um, there's not a, a week uh, in the year where the gospel is not going forth from this place or from the members of this church. And uh, we try our best to be active in personal soul winning, personally accountable to share Christ with others. And we believe that and we emphasize that and we, we, uh, we, we follow that. You know, uh, you could say something's important to you, uh, but if you don't have a plan, uh, it's just really not much more than a wish. Uh, you guys that play baseball, you know the baseball numbers and you know what they mean. You know what a batting average is and so on and so forth. You guys that play basketball, you know what that stat book tells you about you and your game. And so the things that are important to you, you have a plan for them. Some of you say, well, I, I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe you grow through the Word of God. My next question for you, and this is really what this message is about, is that what are your stats? What are your Bible reading stats? Well, I don't know. I just read it when I can. Then you're not going to be a very good Bible, Bible reader. You're not going to grow much. But if you have your plan and you have a pen and you some paper or some uh, record-keeping system and you know where you are, where you want to go, and you have some goals and you're working toward that, now then you're well on your way to seeing some personal Christian growth. So I believe in this area of personal soul winning and sharing Christ and, and getting folks saved, if you will, and, and the new birth, I believe in the new birth. But the message is this, that's the starting point. That's the starting point. When we as individual believers and we as a local church go out with a handful of gospel tracts, I got to lead the, our waiter to Christ uh, last uh, Friday. By the way, thank you. For the gift cards. Thank you for the gift cards. I appreciate that. Uh, we, we, have, we have several gift cards. And I don't mind saying to the Cheesecake Factory. It's no secret Pastor likes cheesecake. And uh, anyway, I'd like to say that I think about you when I use those gift cards. I'll say it this way. I try to think about you, but it's hard to get my mind off of what's in front of me. But anyway, but, uh, but we got to uh, talking to a young man, 24-year-old young man, about his soul throughout the conversation. By the end, we finished the meal. He sat down across from me in our booth and let me uh, uh, share uh, uh, how, uh, how to be saved. And he said, I want, I need that. I need that. I said, now listen, your co-workers are on. He said, I don't care. I want that. And he bowed his head there in the, in the, in the I said the pew anyway, uh, there in the, uh, in the booth and, and asked Christ to be a savior. Amen. Now, I, I, I love that. I, I, I love to share Christ. As I guess my, my, my favorite thing in the world is sharing the gospel and trying to help folks understand the simplicity of the gospel. But can I, can I say this? That, that's just the starting point. Our job is not finished when we go into all the world and tell someone about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and they respond by faith. That, that's just a starting point. That's just a starting point. Uh, we, we were so excited uh, getting those messages. We, we, just, we headed up by faith on Wednesday and it was so exciting to get uh, phone calls and updates. Hey, things are moving along. We had a doctor's appointment and, uh, and uh, uh, we're talking about where they're going to send us home. But now things are moving along and we're not going home. 
home. We're going to the hospital, and we were getting updates, and we were so excited. Then about three minutes before uh, 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 church started on, on, on Wednesday night, uh, little Tatum Brand came into the world. Amen. Now, I, I, I love babies. Amen. I love babies. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, my, my grandkids are prettier than your grandkids. It's just the way it is. But anyway, we, we love, we love our grandchildren and uh, I, I'm excited about that. And, uh, I, I was amazed in the last few days of spending some time with our oldest daughter and her family, uh, how much my, my little grandson, he's only 18 months old, but how much he's grown and how much he can do and communicate. Now, he's not, he's not speaking real clearly yet, but uh, he's saying some words. He, he, you know, you could sort of make out that he's trying to say. He, he wanted to say people real, real bad. And, uh, but anyway, but, anyway uh, but he's communicating, and he's a little daredevil already. And... Uh, and so, uh, but anyway, it's exciting. It's exciting. A new child comes into the world. A new baby comes into the world. And you know what comes with babies? Pacifiers come with babies. Uh, crying in the middle of the night come with babies. Can I get a witness? Diapers come with babies. Yeah. And uh, that's just part of it, right? And it's a wonderful thing. And it's cute. And it's, it's great and everything. Uh, but it wouldn't be cute if it was permanent. I mean, if we, you know, if it's, you know, if we're getting on, you know, and we're getting a couple years old or we're getting three, four or five years old. I mean, I mean, you know, them diapers need to go somewhere along the line. Amen. And then that pacifier needs to go eventually, right? I remember, I don't remember which daughter it was. But we got down to one pacifier and... She could tell us which one, but it, the, the, she would chew on it. One of the girls would chew on that thing. And, uh, and, 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 and we had this ceremony over the trash can. Passy Boke, Passy Boke, Passy Boke. Got to throw it away. Passy Boke, Passy Boke. And so ceremonially put that pacifier in the garbage can. And so a few hours later, Passy, Passy, Passy Boke, Passy Boke. Passy boke. And uh, anyway, we got victory over the Passy. Amen. Now, listen, if, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if, if you're 12... <laughs> and you, you, you shouldn't need a passage still. Amen. Can I get a witness there? Amen. If you need, if you're, if you're ten and you still need to be burped, uh, this is not cute anymore. Is that right? Now listen. Here's what I'm saying. I, listen. I, I, I believe in the personal responsibility to share Christ with others and help folks uh, do our part. Uh, 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 Philip uh, uh, went to that uh, 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 out there in the middle of nowhere and and uh, and, uh, and and said to the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, he was. Uh, uh, the treasure for the queen uh, Candace of, of Ethiopia and he's reading the book of Isaiah probably the clearest Old Testament passage uh, of the gospel of Christ there in the Old Testament and he's reading that and, and, and God uh, takes Philip and puts him out there and, and, and he says sir you understand what you're reading he said how can I except some men should guide me and Philip said I'd be glad to guide you and he, he hopped up into uh, up there with the, uh, the eunuch and, and got in his chariot and started shooting showing him Christ in those Old Testament scriptures and the light of truth came on that man's heart and he said hey listen what's keeping me from being baptized he said do you believe with all your heart he said I believe Jesus is the Christ he said let's go get baptized amen 
Amen. Now listen, I, I, I love the fact that God allows us. We don't save anybody. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit doesn't work. We're just the messengers. Amen. We carry the water, but I love carrying the water. Amen. But listen to me. When someone receives Christ and someone asks Jesus, please, I want you to forgive my sins and save my soul, I rejoice over that. By the way, heaven rejoices when just one sinner repents, the Bible says. But can I tell you something? Our job doesn't finish there. It starts there. Yes. Listen, it was a wonderful thing. Hold little Tatum in my arms there in the hospital. Just, just, just hours after her birth. It was a wonderful thing. But you know what? I got in the car and I came home yesterday. I wasn't up in the middle of the night feeding her. Amen. I ain't changed the diaper yet by God's grace. No, never mind. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of work that goes on now. Is that right? And what, listen, my friend, listen. The, 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 as, as sweet and as wonderful it is to know that you're saved. So we got some brand new Christians in this room. Some are just weeks old. Hallelujah. My heart rejoices for you. Some just a few months old in this room this morning. In the Lord, I mean spiritually speaking. And as wonderful it is to experience a new birth, as wonderful as it is uh, to know that you're saved on your way to heaven. Listen, there's so much more. There's the first time you say dada in the Lord. Mama in the Lord. Hey, the first time you have chocolate milk in the Lord. Can I get a witness? Amen. Uh, the first time you, uh, you, you get to eat a strawberry, the first time, a uh, little Finn man, uh, Finley, our 18-month-old grandson, uh, he, boy, he, he's eat anything now. He'll eat anything. He loves fruit. And, uh, man, he's putting those chicken nuggets down. Just <laughs> now, there's so, much, there's so much to experience in the Christian life. I, the new birth is the beginning. It's not the culmination. It doesn't end there. It starts there. Amen. And I'm inviting you this. Listen, I'm inviting you in 2024, whether you were saved 50 years ago, whether you were saved five days ago or a few hours ago, or maybe this morning. I don't know, but I'm inviting you. Come on now. Come on, let's go. I thank God for the new birth. Amen. But that's just where it starts. Now let's look at Nicodemus. Nicodemus became, I believe, a, 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 a wonderful disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it may be that some are here in need of the new birth this morning. Look at our text with me, if you would, and let me talk you through it together. The Bible said in verse number one, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Interesting word in the Bible, Nicodemus. Uh, I think it's important for you to know your name and, and what your name means. And, uh, but I think there's special significance in the Bible, the meaning of names. I think it gives some evidence to character and so forth. The name Nicodemus uh, comes from two words. One that means triumph or victory. The other meaning the public or the people. Put them together and it means this, victorious among his people. The name Nicodemus means victorious among his people. Well, let's teach some things about Nicodemus. He was popular. <laughs> He was popular. He was up in the polls. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and he was well-liked. Uh, Nicodemus, uh, uh, was uh, the Bible said, was a man of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews. Now, the Pharisees were a... Pharisee today has a completely negative connotation. It has uh, the connotation of hypocrisy. And, uh, and the Pharisees in this day were earning that reputation 
But in that day and time, Pharisee didn't ring in a mind, in a person's mind, ears and mind, the way it does now. When you call someone a Pharisee, that's obviously negative. That was not the case in this day. The Pharisees were the devoted ones. They were the ones that knew this book right here. They were the ones uh, uh, who were uh, deeply devout, uh, deeply devoted. And, uh, and uh, they were examples, if you will, to others. So here's a man, Nicodemus. Uh, he was well known. He was popular with the people, victorious among his people. Uh, and, uh, and he was a ruler. So he was powerful. He was, in fact, a member of the Sanhedrin Council, a body of 70 men who governed the Jewish people, uh, a council, if you will, sort of like you might think of as Congress, perhaps. But these men ruled and governed the affairs of the people, and uh, 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 Nicodemus was a member of this governing body. He was a ruler, he was a religious man, a devoted man, and he was well-known and he was well-liked. Verse number 2. The Bible says the same came to Jesus by night. He was, I take from this, a man protective of his power and popularity. He came to Jesus by night. You see, a showdown was already brewing between this religious and political group, the Pharisees, would you think of as the religious elite, so to speak, and political elites, there was a showdown brewing between them and this fresh-on-the-scene miracle worker named Jesus Christ. Jesus also, like Nicodemus, was wildly popular with the people. And perhaps, now I admittedly, I'm, I'm reading between the lines, and uh, these are just my own thoughts. I'm not giving you Bible doctrine right now. But I have to wonder if Nicodemus, in his position of power and popularity. Uh, they, the Jews at this time were living under the thumb of Rome. They were living under Roman oppression. They were living under the Roman Empire. And they yearned as any oppressed people to be free, to be uh, truly to be able to govern themselves and, and, and be able to uh, 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 not, not have to, to live under the shadow of the Roman Empire. The Pharisees longed for that for their people. And, and I can't help but think that perhaps Nicodemus saw in Jesus Christ, who was also popular with the people, perhaps a, 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 a mutually advantageous relationship. Perhaps he could see, uh, 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 perhaps Jesus could serve uh, Nicodemus' purposes. Again, I, I'm, I'm guessing. Perhaps he thought that an alliance between Jesus and his group, both of them wanted a, a new kingdom. And so perhaps an alliance between them could serve both of their purposes. Jesus Christ is, is being called a savior already. And, and, and by the way, uh, though he told his disciples in very clear terms that his mission was not an earthly kingdom, that is what they thought. That is what they believed. They believed Jesus was going to be, if you will, a political Messiah. And they looked to him, even though he told them differently, they didn't realize it until Calvary. And so here the disciples, I mean Jesus' closest followers, they're looking for Christ to set up a new kingdom for them. The Pharisees wanted out from under the Rome's thumb. They wanted a kingdom. And perhaps Nicodemus thought, you know, maybe we could work something out. We could work together. And so I think he comes to him in verse number 2 by night. 
the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, he's respectful. Thou art a teacher. We know thou art a teacher. Come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And so here he was, a powerful, popular man and, and, and respectful man. There was a faction, by the way, of the Pharisees who are already quite antagonistic toward Christ. But Nicodemus is not among them. We could go over to chapter 7, we won't take time but to find that out. But Nicodemus is not among that group. And so he comes respectfully, calls him rabbi. We know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles except God be with him. I think Nicodemus is separating himself from the antagonistic Pharisees. And then in verse number uh, 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 three, uh, excuse me, uh, 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 here in verse number two, no man can do these miracles except God be with him. I think he recognized his miracles. He was not in denial. He was not calling him a fraud like some of the Pharisees had. Some of the Pharisees, in fact, had already tried to kill him ahead of his time. Nicodemus was not among that group. He recognizes Christ. He knows there's something special about him. And he says, I don't know exactly who you are, but whoever you are, I know one thing. I know that God is with you. Jesus Christ, in verse number three, interrupts him with an answer that it's like it just completely changes the subject. And the abruptness of verse number three, to me, lends itself to the fact that Jesus is simply calling out Nicodemus' motives. Nicodemus, a religious man, a popular man, a well-respected man, a sincere man, not an antagonist of Christ, a man I think perhaps thinks, you know, there's a, this is a good man. Maybe we can work together and accomplish the same goals. And, and maybe we can set up this new kingdom. If, if, if our interests and his interests could, could be conjoined, then maybe we could have this kingdom that we all long for. And Jesus Christ, in one answer, pulls the mask off of Nicodemus and exposes him. In verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, which simply means truly, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus says in so many words, Nicodemus, I know why you're here, but without the new birth, you'll never see the kingdom of God. Now, <laughs> uh, Nicodemus is Okay, <laughs> he's being called out. He then, in verse number four, I think becomes, he drops his mask completely, I think, in verse four and becomes transparent. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, Pharisee, uh, uh, this Pharisee, this religious man, this man, uh, uh, well-versed in the Old Testament Scriptures, does not understand the spiritual truth that Christ is giving him. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man does not discern spiritual things. He cannot. God's Spirit is not in him. And so Jesus pulls the mask back and says, Nicodemus, I know what you want. You want a, you want a new kingdom. But let me tell you something. You won't see the kingdom of God unless you experience the new birth, unless you have been born again. In verse number 5, Jesus says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you from Scripture that entrance into the kingdom of God requires two births. Two births. Not one birth, not three births, not four births, not five births, not six births. Two births. Amen? The explanation of verse number five is given to us in verse number six. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. If you, uh, if you enjoy marking your Bible, I'll tell you how I have these two verses marked in my Bible. And I think it makes it so very clear what Jesus is saying. In verse number five, I have the word water circled and the word spirit circled. And in verse number six, I have the word flesh circled and the word, uh, the last word of the verse Spirit circled. Then, so in verse 5, I have uh, the word water circled and the word spirit, capital S, spirit circled in verse 5. In verse 6, I have the word flesh circled and the last word of the verse, spirit circled. And then I have a line drawn in verse 5 from the word water down to the word flesh in verse 6. And I have a line drawn from the word spirit in verse 5 with a capital S down to the word spirit at the end of verse number 6 between those two words. I think verse 6 is a clear explanation of verse number 5. Now, uh, 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 some folks say, well, this means you've got to be water baptized. Uh, I I couldn't disagree more. (laughs) No. Uh, 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 what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen? That's what Paul told the Philippian jailer. And there's many other passages. I'm not going to get off on that. But I do believe that what he's referring to here is, 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 is a flesh birth or a water birth. And I think the simple physical explanation is every child that's born is born through the water of the mother's womb. I think that's a reference to the flesh birth, the physical birth. So he says this, to, be, to enter the kingdom of God, God, uh, to, 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 to be saved from an eternal hell, to have an eternal home in heaven, to be in the kingdom of God, you must have a first birth, which is a flesh birth, a water or a flesh birth, uh, and number two, you must have a spiritual birth. Jesus said in verse 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Amen? Now listen, uh, 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 the two births, the, the, the physical birth and the spiritual birth. Jesus said in verse number 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. What he's saying is this, flesh will always be only flesh. Friends, listen to me, God has no plans to salvage your flesh. Your flesh, according to Romans 8, 7, and 8, is at war with God. God does not want to fix up the old nature. He wants to give us a new nature. Amen? And that's why he says in verse number 7, Don't be shocked. Marvel not. Don't be surprised. Don't act surprised that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. Now listen to me. You don't need a makeover. You don't need to turn over a new leaf. Uh, You don't need to uh, remodel your life. You need a rebirth. Amen. If you want to be in heaven, if you want your name in the Lamb's book of life, if you want to walk on streets of gold one day, if you want to see your loved ones that are departed in heaven, you don't need to do better. You need to be born again. You need a new birth. That's what Jesus is teaching. I've used this illustration many times before. 
but it fits well here. I had a little track, I had a track of land, and there was big companies going up all around it, and some businessmen approached him, and they said, we would like to buy your acreage, and, and, and the man had one, just a little shack on the, on the, on the land, and, uh, and uh, he said, wow. Uh, and they told him, I said, we, we, we want to uh, come back in a month and we're going to give you an offer. He said, okay. During that month, that man thought, oh, my goodness, it'd be great if I could get this sold and that could help me. And, and, and so he went to work on his shack. And, it, boy, it was a mess. And, 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 and the door was off the hinges. He fixed that. And the window panes were broken. He fixed the window panes. And, uh, and, and the roof uh, had some bad shingles. He got up there and replaced the shingles. He painted the whole thing, swept it nice and tiny and clean. The men came back 30 days later with their offer, and they hardly recognized the house. The shack there. And uh, they came, knocked on the door, and the men came to the door with a beaming smile. And, uh, and they said, uh, man, we, we hardly recognize the place. And he always said, well, I fixed it up for you. He said, sir, we have an offer, but please, please understand, we, we, we have no plans for this house. We're going to tear it down and build something brand new. Can I tell you what religion does? Religion says, uh, fix the shingles. Uh, 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 repair the window pane. Uh, 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 put, put the door back on its hinges. Uh, religion says, uh, uh, get baptized. Religion says, uh, go to church faithfully. Religion says, uh, 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 be good. Now, these are all wonderful things to do. Amen. But that is not what you need to enter the kingdom of God. If you want to see heaven, my friend, you don't need to fix the shingles. You don't need to sweep the floor. You need to tear it down and let Jesus put something brand new there. Amen. It's a new birth, not a makeover. I believe that Nicodemus was under conviction. And I believe that's what Jesus was referring to in verse number 8. He says, the wind bloweth where it listeth. It goes wherever it wants to. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. I believe that Nicodemus, I, 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 he was popular. Uh, he was powerful. He was protective, respectful. I believe he was exposed by Christ and then he became transparent. I believe here in verse number eight, he was under conviction. Nicodemus, this is God's Spirit moving in your life, Jesus is saying. You can't see it, but you can feel it. You can't deny what you feel God doing in your heart. Listen, my dear friend, over these years, I've seen, and as I'm sure some of you have seen and experienced, those who fight against the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I've watched folks grab the seat in front of them or the pew in front of them, and I've watched folks push back against the Holy Spirit. I've watched folks break in a service and jump out of their seat and literally run down the aisle to receive Christ as Savior. Listen to me. I, I, I can't see the wind. I don't know where all it's going or where it's coming from, but I can sure feel what it's doing, and I can see the effects of it, and I believe that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Nicodemus, listen to me. That's God's Spirit working in your heart, and you don't know exactly what it is, but you know something's happening in your heart. May I say, my dear friend, maybe you don't understand. Nicodemus answered, said to him, verse 9, how can these things be? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Now listen, this is not the ruler of the Jews speaking now. This is a humble man being sincere before Christ. I don't, I don't understand these things. I, I don't have it all figured out. And Jesus said, verse number 10 now. <laughs> Jesus answered and said to him, Art thou a master of Israel? And knowest not these things? Jesus said, Nicodemus, I thought you spoke to somebody. You're a ruler. You're a Pharisee. And you don't understand these things. 
I think Jesus is seeking again to remove Nicodemus' self-sufficiency and self-confidence. Friends, listen to me. Before you can trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you must abandon all hope and confidence and trust you have in whatever else it is that you think is going to get you to heaven. I, I talked to a man this week. I said, hey, where are you going? do you know where you're going when you die? I, I handed him a track. He said, yeah. I said, yeah. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to heaven. I said, you sure about that? He said, oh, yeah, I'm sure about that. I said, uh, I said boy, it's good to be saved. I'm saved. He said, you saved? He said, yeah, I'm saved. Now, sometimes I'll leave it at that. And I said, uh, but I asked him, to, I said, can I ask you something a little more personal? He said, oh, yeah, sure. I said, how do you know you're going to heaven? He said, well, I've I, I, I tried my best to live a good life. He started enumerating his goodness. Friends, if you think you're going to heaven because of the good things you've done, you're trusting in the wrong person to get you to heaven. Because what the good things you do on this earth are what you do for God. It's not what God does for you. If I thought I was going to heaven because I'm a preacher, I, I, listen, I, I, I'm trying to be obedient to the Lord, trying to honor the Lord with my preaching. This is not something He does for me. It's something I do for Him. Amen? And if I think the things I've done or the things I quit doing, if I think that's what's getting me to heaven, my faith is misplaced. And listen carefully. You cannot trust Jesus Christ as your Savior until you stop trusting whatever else you were trusting. I've not witnessed to a lot of Hindus over the years, but I've, I've witnessed to a number of Hindus here and there. And here's what I find. Hindus have literally thousands of gods. Literally thousands of gods. And when you talk to a Hindu, uh, they're, they're, I sat next on a plane. A man that's a, a Sikh, uh, very, very, very similar. But basically, it's like all religions are just as, just as valid as, as every other religion. And anyway, I won't go into that, but... That's nonsense. <laughs> but, 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 but the Hindu, for example, well, they'll, they'll, they'll say, wow, you tell them about Jesus. They say, yeah. And they'll be happy to add Jesus to the several other thousand gods they have. They'll be happy to love Jesus and worship Jesus like they do all the others. But can I tell you something? Listen, I, in 1992, when I stood at the altar and got married to my wife, I said, honey, I, I, I'm going to add you to my harem. And you're going to be my favorite one of all. No, no, no. It was, it was, and forsaking all others, keep the only unto you so long as we both shall live. That was the marriage vow. Do you know what the offense of the gospel, Paul wrote about this in the New Testament. He said, if, if circumcision has something to do with you being saved, it, you have removed the offense of the gospel. What does it mean? It means adding to salvation removes the offense. What is offensive then about the gospel is that you can't add anything to it. What's offensive about the gospel of Christ is that it's not Jesus and your goodness and Jesus and your sincerity and Jesus and your baptism and Jesus and your church membership and Jesus and Buddha and Jesus and Hare Krishna. or Je No, no. It's that it's Jesus and Jesus alone. And you're not saved from eternal hell until you put your trust in the only one who has the power to save you. And that's Jesus Christ. Amen. Salvation is not adding Jesus to your religious regiment. Salvation is when you turn your back on any religious regiment, any filth or wickedness or any religious sincerity and say, in my hand, no price I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. That's the new birth. 
The new birth is not a cleanup. It's not a remodel. It's not a makeover. It is indeed a new birth. In verse 11, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. You know what he's saying? Truly, Nicodemus, it's true. I know what I'm talking about. No man hath ascended. You won't meet anyone else who's been up there and come down here. I'm the only one. And I can tell you about it because I've been there and that's where I came from and I'm going back there, Nicodemus. My dear friend, Jesus Christ is the only one who has the power to forgive sins and save souls. Nobody else ever went to an old rugged cross and took the sins of the world upon him and paid with his own blood the price for sin, went to the grave and rose up from the dead three days later. Amen. Buddha didn't do that. Hare Krishna didn't do that. Pope didn't do that. Virgin Mary didn't do that. St. Peter didn't do that. Pastor Shook didn't do that. No religious leader has done that. And that's why Jesus Christ is an A way or a part of the way or a step in the way. He is the way truth and the life and no man cometh unto the Father but by me now take your Bibles if you would turn almost to the end of your Bible to 1 Peter and chapter number 2 my friend listen to me if you do not know for sure that Christ is your Savior and heaven is your home this morning on this last Sunday of 2024 why don't you end this year on a high note and be honest with yourself of those things that you've been trusting to get you to heaven And say, by the grace of God, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Now, wait a minute. I understand what I'm I'm saying to you. It offends the old flesh. the, The Bible said the offense of the cross. It is offensive. It offends our sensibilities to think, but I've been sincere my whole life. I meant what I was doing when I was confirmed or baptized or when I, I, I joined the church. I, I was sincere. And that's wonderful. You can be sincere, but you can be sincerely wrong. If, in fact, those things are the things to which you look and the things that you, you, you count on as assurances that you're a child of God, I would say to you, abandon hope and trust in any of those good things and say, I want to trust Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Now, First Peter chapter 2. Right at the end of your Bible, you'll have a few short little books just before the book of Revelation. And we're in 1 Peter and chapter number 2 and verse number 2. I want you to read this aloud with me. 1 Peter 2, 2 together. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Can I tell you something? A little baby that gets born is going to be in critical condition within hours and surely within a day if that newborn babe doesn't get a hold of some milk. You understand this, right? Those are critical times. One of the things that, 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 that before a little baby can go home from the hospital, one of the things that doctor wants to know is that baby feeding well. Is that baby feeding well? If that baby's not feeding well, then something's got to be supplemented. We've got to get some nourishment in that child. It might mean going into a, a, a neonatal uh, intensive care and a feeding tube put in or something to, to save that child's life. Why? Because that baby cannot survive if that baby is not feeding. 
That baby, a growth will be stunted if it goes too long without nourishment and that baby will not reach its potential. It will not grow to maturity unless it is receiving nourishment. Read it again with me out loud. Verse number two. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Friends, listen to me very carefully. I love salvation. I love to preach what I just preached to you. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's nothing, plus nothing, minus nothing. It's Jesus Christ alone. If you say, I'm a sinner lost and headed for hell, and you want Christ to save you, call out in your own way, in your own words, say, I'm a sinner headed for hell. Jesus, save my soul. And he'll save you for all of eternity. Amen. He'll save you for all of eternity. But wait a minute. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. As a newborn babe in Christ, wouldn't you like to have a chicken nugget? Wouldn't you like to experience a little orange slice for the first time? Uh, Finn was eating orange slices yesterday. And little Tatum was grandma's arms right there by him. And he bit into one of those orange slices and the citrus just filled the air. And little Tatum went, wrinkled her face up. She could smell it. Oh, foretaste of things to come. Can I tell you something? I don't know about you, different. Listen, I'm glad I'm not going to hell. But brother, let me tell you something. I want to enjoy my Christian life. Amen. Amen. I, I, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. But I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be five years a Christian and still sucking on a spiritual pacifier. I, I want to grow. Amen. Now, first thing you got to do is the Bible says you got to get some milk in you. And this book right here, amen, this, this book is milk. Amen. This book is vital nourishment. Back in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, God gave some instructions to Moses about future kings that were to come. He said, one thing I want them to do is I want them to get their own copy of the Bible, of the law, the law of God, the word of God, and I want them to carry it with them and I want them to read in it daily. The Bible says, search uh, the scriptures for in them you think uh, 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 you have eternal life. Search the scriptures daily for in them you think you have eternal life. Search the scriptures daily. The Bible said these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they search the scriptures daily. I want to challenge you, dear church family, how many of you saved? Say amen. You've been born again. Say amen. amen. I want to challenge you if you are not eating regular meals. I want to challenge you to make this book right here a part of your daily Christian life. If you have been saved, if you've received Christ as your Savior, your name is in the book of life and no man can blot it out. That's settled by the grace of God. But what a shame, what a shame for you to be saved and on your way to heaven. And here you are. You've been saved five years, six years, ten years, but you're only three months old spiritually. What a shame. There's a lot of Christians need to be in a spiritual hospital in intensive care with a feeding tube stuck in your stomach. Why? Because your, your growth is stunted. I'm saying if you want to grow and enjoy what God has, this book is going to have to become a part of your life. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. <clears throat> Almost right in the middle. If you open up your Bible... Right in the middle, you'll be close to the book of Psalms. I go to the very first chapter in Psalm and chapter number one. Familiar, powerful verses. Psalm and chapter number one. The Bible says here, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. 
And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment or sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Verse 2 says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth he meditate day and night. Number 1, 1 Peter 2, desire the sincere milk of the Lord. Number 1, you got to get the word. you got you got to get in the word. You've got to get in this book. You've got to search the scriptures daily. Now, here's my challenge to your church family. Listen, wherever you are in your Christian life, some of you are brand new in the Lord just about. Some of you have been saved for years. Now, you make sure in 2024 you get in this book. Amen? Amen. But Psalm 1 says here in verse number 2, In his law doth he meditate day and night. Meditate. What does it mean? It means dwell on it. Think on it. You know what that is? That's not getting in the Word. That's getting the Word in you. So number one, get in the Word. Number two, get the Word in you. I, I, like, uh, I like pot roast. How many like pot roast? How many like some pot roast? You want the sermon to quit so you can go get you some pot roast. All right. I like, I like walking in the house and you, and you smell it. Sometimes I walk in the house and, and she put that thing in there late the night before. And that thing's been going all night long. And I go to work and I come home. And I mean, the whole house, I mean, just my tongue starts doing things. <laughs> now, what happened? What's happened? That thing is sat, and it's, that meat has it's gotten tender and tender, and the juices, as it, as it sits, it, that crock pot, it, it, the juices start coming out. How many like that juice? I like that juice. Man, that's, I love this sermon. And, and, uh, but can't you, that's what meditation is. When you get a truth, you need to get in this book right here. You say, well, I don't understand the book. Don't worry about that. The Holy Spirit, the teacher, is with you. And he's not going to teach you trigonometry on first day, but he is going to teach you 1 plus 1 equals 2 and A at Apple. So when you sit down with your Bible, I don't care if you've been saved for five minutes or 50 years, you sit down with this book right here, and you say, I'm going to get 2024. I'm getting in the Word. And you get in the Word, and the Holy Spirit will say, Psst, did you see that? And you'll say, oh, wow. He says, well, I read two chapters. I only understood one verse. Well, evidently, that's the one God wants you to work on. Right? Yeah, so don't worry about, don't worry about what you didn't understand. Worry about what you did understand. And the Holy Spirit, you see that right there? Here's what you do. You think, oh, boy. And you think on that. And you meditate on that. And you talk to God about that. God, how do I apply that to my life? You know what that is? That's the slow cooker. And all of a sudden, the juice starts coming out. Amen? You think on it right here. Meditation, when you meditate on something, guess what happens? You get thinking about it, and the juice starts coming down, and guess what? It gets dripped down here. It gets right here. And you're like, whoo. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Woo. It gets good. Amen? Amen? Listen, God wants you to get from here down here. The Bible says, a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I think that means God says, what God is saying there is what you dwell on, what you think on, is going to get down in your heart. You know what? When you get excited, you know people that are excited about the Word of God, people have been thinking about the Word of God. Amen. Number one, get in the Word. Number two, get the Word in you. Number three, are you ready? That's a four-point outline. It's going to take me one minute to give you the last two points. Number three, get under the Word. 
1 Corinthians one twenty one says God shows the foolishness of preaching. Listen, you know what you need? You need somebody to preach at you. Amen. I need preaching. You need preaching. I get preaching. Amen. I listen to men of God. Old men of God. I listen to Brother Howes. Let's roll off. I, a bunch of them. Anyway, I, I listen to those men of God. We all need preaching. God has chosen, 1 Corinthians one twenty one the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Didn't say save the lost. Save them that believe. He's He's writing to believers. He said, you know what will salvage your life as a Christian? is staying under the preaching, being under the word of God, being under the preaching. And I want to challenge you. Listen, dear church family, if you want to grow up best being a little baby with a pacifier as a Christian and you want to grow some spiritual muscles and you want to learn to walk on your own or learn to run or learn to ride a bike or, or, or move from, move from a, 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 a milk bottle to chicken nuggets, amen. Listen, you're going to have to get in the word. You're going to have to get the word in you and you're going to have to get under the word. Amen. And then John 7, 17, number four and last. You're going to have to start living the word. John 7, 17, we talked about last week. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. You want to know this book right here? You come to this book and you say, God, I'm willing to do what you teach me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. Christ said, you want to understand my teachings? you got to be willing to do them. When you come with a sincere heart to the Word of God and you get in the Word and you meditate on the Word, let the Word get in you, and you come with this spirit that says, God, what you teach me by your grace, I'm going to apply to my life. Then you, listen, God is going to open up this book to you and you're going to understand things and know things you never understood before, not because a preacher expounded it to you in a message. That's part of it. You need to be under preaching just like I do. But I'm talking about God, the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter 2 says he will open this book up to you and teach you the deep things of God. And this book, some of you, I'm not picking on you. Some of you, not even, you're in, this morning, you don't even know where your Bible is. You don't even know where it is. I'm saying you get a book. By the way, you say, what, what, what do I get? Get you an old King James Bible. Amen. He said, well, my aunt gave me one that's new and improved. Well, how come there's 5,000 new and improved ones after that one? Just go back and get the old one. Amen? It's perfect. It's fine. Get the old King James Bible. Then you can read it with us all together. Get you an old Bible and say, I'm going to spend time in this book. And I'm going to think on this book and let it get in me. I'm going to stay up under the preaching all year long. And by God's grace, when I come to this book, I'm going to start putting into practice some things that I've learned. If God has already shown you some things through the preaching of his word or through the study of his word and you're not applying it, guess what? The Holy Spirit, the divine teacher, is not going to be real excited about giving you something else until you start doing something with what he was already taught you. The divine teacher, he's going to stay with you. What good would it do for Miss Cabinets over here, a kindergarten teacher, what good would it do for her? She's got A, B, C, D to get to G and that uh, uh, FG and kids get stuck on G, and uh, and she said, "Well, they just can't get that word, that letter G. They just have a real struggle with that. Let's let's just let's get uh, let's skip over that and uh, let's let's go to algebra. Is that going to help? No, no, no. You build line upon line, truth upon truth, precept upon precept, and God, the Holy Spirit, the divine teacher is going to do the same thing in your life as God teaches you. You make application. I'll say this, and I'll be done." Every time you come to church, you ought to say this. God, give me something that I can take home with me and incorporate into my life. When you sit down with that Bible, you say, God, give me something. Teach me something that I can put into my life. And when God sees you responding to his truth, that book is going to 
Truth is going to jump off the pages like never before. I love it when folks get saved. But that's just where it starts. Would you bow your heads, please? Heads bowed, eyes are closed. First of all, let me ask you this. Have you experienced the new birth? Have you been born again? Do you know without a doubt that you have?